everybody i'm very excited because i have uh coming in live from la my friend heather rob our very first guest on kick the jukebox so cool i didn't know i was the first you are you're the first first. you are you're 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 breaking the guest seal (laughs) popping the guest (laughs) Perry. i'm sorry i had to say that's so gross no, it's beautiful. It's great. Um, okay. Heather and I are, are old friends. We met doing uh, Story Pirates together, which is uh, an incredible organization. We've known each other for 10 years. And wow. uh, I know it's a, it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> it's amazing. amazing. And Heather is an uh, incredibly gifted actor. She's a television writer and she's uh, also a musician. She just released her first solo EP that's called July and it's available on all the streaming services, Spotify, iTunes, and the like. And she's also a member of the band The Spring Standards who have an avid fan following and uh, I count myself as one of their fans. Uh, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so, Heather, Heather, you're playing uh, a show on August 25th at the Hotel Cafe in LA, right? I am. Yeah, it's my first it's my first proper show since I moved out here a year ago. So, it might be a complete flop, but that would make for its own sort of entertainment. You can come watch well, me flail and flail and fail as I like to say. Well, Heather, as artists, we certainly don't <laughs> learn from our successes, do we? <laughs> you're right. What a great what a great <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so, looking for that show. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm, I, I wish I could be there for it. I will certainly tell all my LA friends to go. So Heather, yeah, Heather, oh, here we are. Yeah, we're here to talk about the album Rumors and the influence that it's had on you Ooh. and Fle- Fleetwood Mac in general. So I guess my first question would be, when did you first hear this album? Do you remember a time in your life without this album? Do I remember? That is such a, I love the way you phrase that because I Mm. think my answer is no. (laughs) Um, I don't think I remember a time in my life without this album. I, I was, I was raised in a, definitely raised in a household of music. Fleetwood Mac was a big presence in my dad's, vinyl collection, which I remember encountering. I mean, I guess, I guess, do I remember a time in my life before this record? Yes, probably before the age of like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like from the time that I became like aware of music as a thing that I loved um, and like chose, you know, as my taste evolved, as I started having things that I really liked and disliked, this was like always, and this record in particular, but Fleetwood Mac in general, I think was always a band I loved. This record was a record that I loved. I mean, every single song. There's not a. There's not a. Da- there's. The, there's no. There's no fat except maybe Oh Daddy. I gotta get. I'm sure we'll get into specifics, but. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's so funny. So for you, let's follow that for a sec. Oh Daddy just doesn't do, just doesn't do it for you. I worship Christine McVie, and I actually love. If you haven't listened yet, she and Lindsey Buckingham's new record is 
awesome. I have. I've heard a little bit from it, but I need to listen yeah. to it all the way through. It sounds they pretty. Were, it's, it sounds pretty Fleetwood Mackie, though. Well, here's the thing. I think everybody, when they think Fleetwood Mac, they think Stevie Nicks. Well, that's a generalization, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people they think Fleetwood Mac, they think Stevie Nicks, but. Mm -hmm. I think that the music, the musicianship that drove that band came from Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie. I think her songwriting, I think, I think Stevie Nicks is a rock star and she's a fucking goddess and I'm obsessed with her, you know, magnetic and um, amazing and magical and mysterious. But, you know, when it comes to the musicianship and you look at, you know, the songs that Christine McVie wrote and her like just amazing, like keyboard playing and all of the stuff that she did and her voice which is like perfect and Lindsey Buckingham is just like a beast his guitar playing I actually saw them my band the Spring Standards went on a band field trip sometimes we we do that from time to time when sure. there's a show that we really a band that we really have to see or an artist that we really have to see the first time I saw Neil Young it was with my band we go on these like nerdy sort of like field trips and I think that's great it was it's awesome and um, we saw Fleetwood Mac like three years ago or something. Lindsey Buckingham's guitar playing was like mind blowing. And anyway, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm realizing how passionate I am about this as I'm like as I'm rambling on and on. But I do think that O'Daddy is a is a bit of a low point in uh, in the Christine McVie catalog. <laughs> and again, um, I say that with all the love in my heart. So following that tangent, then if we want to talk about Christine McVie and her other songs that she wrote for this record, which one do you think stands out as being uh, one like not to miss, you know? I mean, I think You'd Make Love and Fun is just is just one of the, it's just one, a perfect pop song. Yeah. Um, I think it's really a perfect, perfect pop song. I mean, Songbird is 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 a timeless is like a timeless, beautiful ballad. And yeah. I think part of what's so amazing about this record that you don't see as much anymore in like modern music is that there were, and you see it in a lot of records from this time. But there's just room for everything. Like you can go from a song like Songbird to a song like You Make Love and Fun, and they they can coexist on the same record, sung by the same sung by the same person. You know, she doesn't have to just be like a pop singer. She can also, you know, be this like amazing female vocalist and kind of in the more like ballad, you know, ballad world. And I don't know, anyway, so I I think I think both her other contributions. And like, I think there are probably people out there that love Oh Daddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are. Hopefully yeah, we'll hear would, from some, you know? I would love to hear from them. Yeah, I just saw Songbird song at a wedding and it like had everybody was in tears, you know, and it's just it's just uh, it's just a beautiful song. And it was made kind of I feel like it was brought back by um, Ava Cassidy. Her version of Songbird is is beautiful, too. Well, guess what, Heather? Any song that we mention on this podcast goes on a massive Spotify listening list. So oh. that'll be fun. Uh, so I'll look that up and stick it on there. So. Something I, I just, I'm thinking about while we're talking about 
you saying that every song on this album is allowed to coexist. Something uh, I think is really interesting about the writing and recording of this album is the band was very concerned about delivering nothing but hits. They wanted like an all killer, no filler Yeah. And they put a lot of pressure on themselves to do it, especially during a time when things were very personally tumultuous for them, as you well know. And I'm wondering if you can speak towards the pressure of recording a record and thinking about how maybe what that would be like to put that pressure on yourself to really just deliver an album that is all hits. Have you ever had that experience? Would you put yourself through that? As As a songwriter, how do you feel about that? That is so interesting. I feel like, you know, when I reflect, the Spring Standards have put out, we've put out three records of, you know, we put out three records and then we put out a live, a live record. And I would say, I, I honestly don't think we've ever approached a record like, let's make this the hit machine. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's become the hit machine. Let's make this the hit record. Maybe to our detriment. I mean, we have... I I mean, I'm not even trying to be self-deprecating here. You know, I think we have achieved a certain level. I mean, our fan base is amazing and wonderful and supportive, but you know, we, we never got to the, have never gotten to the point where we've made a living playing our music. Uh, We've never had a hit song. We have never, you know, we've never even sort of like broken through that, like, you know, whatever that, that ceiling is between sort of just like, you know, touring as being a thing where that you come back from and then have to immediately go to your day job versus like touring being your job and then you sure. come back and you get to chill and write the next hit record, you know, like um, we've never, we've never found ourselves in a position to be able to kind of be like, okay, now we can kind of coast on the, or not coast, but we can sort of like lean on the earnings from the last the last record while we write the next one. And now the music business has obviously changed in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, I think from the beginning, the Spring Standards, I mean, we also made the decision pretty early on to stay independent. Yeah. And I think that had a lot to do with this as well, because we never really had, and again, like, I mean, who's to say whether this is for, you know, for the best or for the worst, we never really had labels breathing down our necks. We never had like radio people saying, you know, you don't have a hit yet, keep writing. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of had ourselves and our own instincts. And, you know, for a while we were working with management and they would weigh in, but they were really like, you know, they, they really supported our independent efforts. And so we kind of always got to write really from the heart and from what was going on without giving it too much without without really having like an outside eye to is this going to s- sell um, yeah. so i now i think as a result of that you feel pressure in a different way which is then the pressure you know that i i sort of was just reflecting on it's like the pressure of well what if we had done that would we have would we have a different status at this point would we be like more of a like a not a household name but would we would we have a certain level of success that we that we don't have at this point if we had gone into you know an album saying every song needs to be a hit i will specifically say about our last record yellow gold that there was not a single song on that record we did we never treat we never treat tracks like filler never yeah we never would and i maybe because you know maybe the flip side maybe the inverse of looking at like an, an album that maybe exists as a vehicle for a hit or two is 
when you know you have your hit, you can go on autopilot for the rest. It doesn't really matter because the hit will sell the record and make it, you know, make it all like financially viable. You know, our approach has always been every single song is sacred. Every song demands our full creative attention and specific treatment and decision making. You know, there's never we don't take any song lightly. So I guess that's the inverse of of that. And I, and I really I say that with full with you know, full certainty. Like we've never, we've never treated a song like, oh, let's just finish this one. And but something uh, that's, that's interesting about that, Heather, is that the treatment of every song as sacred and every song as important is very similar to the aesthetic that Fleetwood Mac brought in to right. recording rumors, right? But luckily for you, in a lot of ways, you and your band, you didn't have the pressure of right. all of the dirty laundry and all of the expectations uh, aired out in public while you were, you know, while you're undergoing the recording process. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so that being said, with the similarity of really giving emphasis to every song, how would you feel that the aesthetics and songwriting on Rumors and of Fleetwood Mac in general has influenced your work either your new solo work or anything you've done with with the spring standards well i i mean even after <laughs> i want to i want to make something very clear uh which is that i worship stevie nicks in, in case that didn't come through before when i was like stevie nicks is just a rock star that's all yeah he was real, like female talent I worship Stevie Nicks and definitely I think have taken a lot of, I think I've taken a lot of personal inspiration from her uh, vocal style, the way that, the way that she's sort of, you know, I feel like, I feel like with all of these songs, when you look at the, the track list for Rumors, which I have pulled up in front of me right now, just so that I didn't overlook any of them, yeah. it's like, Every single song has such an essence. Like as soon as it starts, you're in a world. It's almost like you're in like a fun house and mm -hmm. every single song is a different room. And you, which is rumors, whoa, that's stupid. Um, uh, but, <laughs> the fun house quote was, was killer though. <laughs> <laughs> Just use the fun house quote, not the rumors pun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's like every single song, just as soon as it starts, you're sort of in the, you're, you're in its world. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's specific to Stevie Nicks. I, I am zooming out. I, I was thinking about Dreams and Gold Dust Woman specifically, because mm -hmm. um, when they played Gold Dust Woman, when we saw them live, I mean, she went on this like insane, amazing, captivating, like vocal dance journey like where she just like was holding the microphone and like a tambourine and had these dangly like sleeves and like just a spotlight on her the rest of the band just sort of like faded into the black and she just like went like like it was it was incredible and to watch her to watch like how effortlessly she sort of like held our attention while going off on this like clearly like completely i mean to her i think like sort of like spiritual intuitive you know, like just little tangent and to, mm -hmm. to hold our attention was so, was so incredible. And I think that, yeah, so I think that that sort of, that sort of ability to really cast a spell. I mean, she's kind of a witch, like in the, and I say that because I want to be a witch so bad. Um, yeah, you say that in a, in a very nice way. Yeah. Yes, yes. She casts a spell. And I think that 
you know, for her specifically, her influence on me and her vocal, you know, like I said, her vo like her vocal style and her writing, that's something that I really have, have drawn a lot of inspiration from in my own writing. Just that ability to sort of create a mood and then just like dig into the mood and stay in that mood and and really commit uh commit to it um you know the obvious one is their vocal harmonies um yeah we you know the spring standards that's our that's our bread and butter um just nobody you know nobody does i mean the, the, yeah the, what they do is 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 so they are just the best at what they do so definitely you know singing along to them when we were all, cause I've known my bandmates since we were all in high school, singing along mm -hmm. to them in the car, you know, driving through the back roads of Pennsylvania and Delaware. Like that's how we learned to sing harmony, like singing along with them in the car, you know, it's like them and Crosby, Stills and Nash. It's like, those are the bands that sort of taught us how to sing harmony. And so there's definitely that aspect. And I do think the aspect of, you know, I think that's something that we have, we have done on our records is, you know, that thing that I was talking about before, a record that can have You Make Love and Fun and Songbird on it, and there's room for both. You know, I think that that, that is probably uh, one of the strongest sort of through lines for our albums. You know, you, from one song to the next, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't kind of get boxed in. We write and record whatever it is that we're writing in and recording without, without, you know, without too much concern for, yeah, but does this all sound like, you know, are people gonna know exactly what they're getting when they start the record, uh, you know, and we don't really care about that. And, and on one hand, you know, again, like that cohesion, I think of, of a record that, you know, holds together really well and all sort of feels like a tight package like that's really satisfying in its own right i don't know i think that there's i think that there's something to be said for you know letting albums meander a little bit um yeah so i think we've I, been inspired by that too i i agree with that and i i definitely can hear the similarities between uh the work in a spring standards album and even the way it's sequenced based you know and a uh fleetwood mac album you know, which is very interesting. Heather, yeah. if you could only listen to one one of these tracks, one of these tracks and rumors, uh, what would be your, what's your favorite? What's what's the one, or what's the one that you would recommend to somebody that has never heard Fleetwood Mac? Oh, wow, interesting. Oh, interesting. I mean, if somebody has never heard Fleetwood Mac. Or one that may, is, is, oh, is so significant hard. to you. I want to. I want to. I want to tell your. Um, I want to tell your listeners that there was a little crew of 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 pals a few years ago in Brooklyn. We got into the habit of doing like favorite records in you know from start to finish, just as like a fun exercise at Rockwood Music Hall in New York. And we did Rumors. I think it was maybe the first record we did. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you can appreciate songs listening to them and then to like learn them, take them apart and really get in there is like a whole new level of appreciation. I have to say, I feel like if it's, I, I, I feel like if it's, they've never heard Fleetwood Mac, it would either be, and it's funny cause I'm looking, I, I have the track listing up and these are the, it's the first song on side one and side two. 
it would have to be either secondhand news or the chain. Mm -hmm. um, I sort of want to say the chain because not because it's my favorite song on the record necessarily. And I was terrible at choosing favorites. So I'm, tr I'm trying to just be, I'm trying to be uh, very like practical about this decision for this person who's never heard Fleetwood Mac. I think that they, that first, like that, that the kick drum that comes in right at the beginning, the mood again, that thing that I was saying, the sort of like mystery, secondhand news is a little too saccharine um, mm -hmm. when I think about it. But uh, the chain, the way that darkness, the sort of like bubbling upness of it, and then when the vocals come in and it's full on, you know, like four part harmony probably, um, certainly three part. I think there's a fourth part in there too, and it's just like wall of sound, all the voices. Listen to the wind blow, like it's so so powerful it just like knocks you over and the guitar playing is like really dark and gritty it's like that awesome lindsey buckingham just like has so much like grit and attitude i just think that, i think that i think that that one is such a great representation such a great representation of of theirness fleetwood mac fleetwood mac ness yeah i love the chain i don't know if you know this but there is a Bone Thugs and Harmony song that what? samples the chain that's called oh Windblow. Oh my God. And Kyle and I are actually going to talk about it in our next segment. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so you'll have to listen to that. Uh, I, I personally think the song's very good. Kyle does not think so. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what he would introduce. Like, what would he introduce them? What would be his choice? Uh, in terms of, well, no, he doesn't like he doesn't like that um, that Bone Thugs and Harmony song. Oh, uh, and he feels that. that the Bone Thugs and Harmony song has ruined the chain for him. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And, wait, I want to know that you. What would you choose mm -hmm. if, you, if you had to introduce one person to one song on this record? You know, Kyle and I talk a little bit about this in another part of the podcast, but um, to be honest, my favorite song from this record is Secondhand News. Yeah, I love, I, I love Secondhand News. It makes sense that that's your favorite song, given what I know about your music taste. Definitely. It's certainly, as you said before, it's the most saccharine. But also, too, I love how it comes in from that fade-in and it really just like envelops you in its sound yeah. uh and that and that guitar strum on it is so yeah. well that's distinct that and gorgeous string i was almost gonna say i was almost gonna say but then that felt too music nerdy that's the other thing that i think we really we got a 12 string acoustic in our bands like you know a few a few a few years in and i feel like that just really we just started leaning into that that sound which is the sound at the top of secondhand news um, yeah yeah, and um, and that's very very Fleetwood Mackie too. Yeah, I very much agree. Yeah. Well, Heather, this has been the most fun. Is there anything yeah. else you want to say about Fleetwood Mac, your uh, beautiful life as an artist musician, <laughs> or anything else before we we say goodbye and you, you know, drive off on an LA freeway to your next <laughs> lunch meeting or day at the beach? <laughs> oh, um. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that if they love O'Daddy, that's okay too. And I just want to hear <laughs> about why. And also that I didn't mean to, I just want to be very clear that I didn't mean to say that Stevie Nicks was merely a rock star, nothing more. She's a goddess on this planet. 
and I love her. And um, and, and Heather, yeah. Heather, you are a goddess on this planet. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Louie. Oh, my pleasure. Yep, that's Heather Robb, everybody. Just a reminder, her new solo EP, July, is out on all streaming platforms. And August 25th at the Hotel Cafe in LA, go see her play. Seeing her play live is nothing short of an electrifying experience. Oh, and I only say that <laughs> as the geekiest of music geeks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Say before we get into our first fight That I've dreamed about you Almost every night I wanna say before everything goes to hell That it's been a long time Since I felt quite so well